This is Dr. Marnie Peterson. I am the Outreach Coordinator for the Antimicrobial Stewardship Project, which was launched recently by the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota. A component of this project are podcasts with global experts in the field of antimicrobial stewardship and antibiotic resistance. Today, I am speaking with Dr. Arjun Srinivasan about his important work to improve antibiotic prescribing practices through antibiotic use surveillance. Dr. Srinivasan is Associate Director for Healthcare-Associated Infection Prevention Programs in the Division of Healthcare Quality Promotion at the Centers for Infection Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC's National Center for Emerging and Zoonotic Infectious Diseases. An infectious diseases physician, Dr. Srinivasan oversees several CDC programs aimed at eliminating healthcare-associated infections and improving antibiotic use. For much of his career, for much of his CDC career, Dr. Srinivasan ran the Healthcare Outbreak Investigation Unit, helping hospitals and other healthcare facilities track bacteria and stop them from infecting other patients. Today, he leads CDC's work to improve antibiotic prescribing and works with a team of CDC experts researching new strategies to eliminate healthcare-associated infections. Dr. Srinivasan has authored numerous articles in peer-reviewed journals on his research in healthcare epidemiology, infection control, and antibiotic use and resistance. His landmark work in infection control led the Society for Healthcare Epidemiology of America to honor him with the 2008 Investigator Award. Dr. Srinivasan, thank you for joining me today. Marty, thanks so much for having me. As I mentioned in the introduction, you are leading the CDC's efforts to improve antibiotic prescribing to reduce the threat of antibiotic resistance and healthcare-associated infections. Recently, the U.S. government developed a national strategy for combating antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Antibiotic use surveillance is a key objective within that strategy and a core element of antibiotic stewardship programs. I would just like you to describe how understanding antibiotic use in hospitals can help to inform antibiotic stewardship efforts. Absolutely. You know, the, we have this uh, saying in, in, in epidemiology, which, which I think we've stolen from the business community, that what gets measured gets done. And, you know, we talk a lot about the urgent need to improve antibiotic use. And I think there's no disagreement from anyone that we know antibiotics are overused and misused in all sectors where they are used, both in human uh, and in agricultural sectors across the board, hospitals, outpatient clinics, nursing homes. But in order to uh, improve that use, we're going to have to measure that use, both so we can find out where the opportunities for improvement are, and so that we can know if our improvement efforts are making a difference. And that's why this surveillance of antibiotic use is so critical. It's a field that's really in its infancy. You know, we've been measuring infections, healthcare-associated infections, for decades here at the CDC. We have a national system, the National Healthcare Safety Network, that has long been tracking these infections, which has allowed us to know where they're occurring uh, and has allowed us to see how our improvement efforts have or have not, in some cases, had impacts on these infections. And we want to do the same thing for antibiotic use. And that's why these surveillance efforts, uh, though they're very young, are so important in informing improvements in antibiotic use. And previous, study, previous national surveys of antibiotic use have been conducted, 
to try to understand use patterns in the U.S., uh, but some some of them had limitations. I was wondering if you could describe. You know, you said it, we we're in our infancy, so where where we were at with these studies and, and where you're trying to move towards. We really think that from CDC's perspective, you know, we we think there are kind of three uh, broad areas where we need to to learn more and do more with measuring antibiotic use, and these are three buckets where I think we've really had not that much information in the past. First and foremost, we would like to get uh, a national picture of antibiotic use. And we've had that for several years on the outpatient side, but we've not had that in hospitals. Ironically, uh, we've actually know less about antibiotic use nationally in hospitals than we do in, in outpatient clinics, which a lot of people uh, think is, is somewhat counterintuitive given how vast the, the universe is of these outpatient practices. So we've wanted that national data. We also want facility-specific data. We want to know from each hospital in the United States where they stand uh, with antibiotic use and ideally be able to compare, benchmark their use with other facilities that look like them. And the third bucket is we really want to be able to assess appropriate antibiotic use. You know, the fundamental goal of antibiotic stewardship is not to reduce antibiotic use, it is to improve appropriate antibiotic use. Now, it so happens that when you improve antibiotic use, for the most part, it ends up going down, but the goal is really to ensure that every patient gets optimal antibiotic therapy, and so we need a way to measure that. And we are really approaching it from this three-pronged strategy. We recognize that there uh, have been and are limitations to gathering uh, and analyzing information in each of those buckets. And so we recognize that there's work that has to be done in each of those categories. And the paper that we recently published in the JAMA Internal Medicine uh, helps take a step towards data in that first category. This is addressing the national picture of what does antibiotic use look like at a very high level in hospitals across the country. Yes, yeah, so you, you published this paper recently, 2006, and to, to estimate the national trends in inpatient antibiotic use across these hospitals from 2006 to 2012, what different approaches did you take when designing this study that perhaps addressed some of the limitations from the previous studies? And what were some of the strengths of your study? Yeah, th this study was, was published online uh, just actually last month, in September of 2016. And as you mentioned, Marnie, it, uh, it estimates national trends of antibiotic use uh, from a, a set of hospitals from 2006 to 2012. And this study, th this data set, this market scan hospital drug database, really allowed us for the very first time to be able to take antibiotic use from a group of hospitals and use that information to extrapolate to the nation. And, you know, all credit goes to, to James Baggs, who's the first author of this study, for really looking at this information and saying, you know what, I think we actually can use the information that's in this database to create national estimates. We can extrapolate what happened in these hospitals 
to the nation. Now, we recognize that any time you begin to do those extrapolations, there are challenges and there are limitations to making those extrapolations. And that's why, you know, in the paper, James lays out so very carefully uh, exactly how we made those extrapolations, all the strengths and limitations. Um, but it is the first time that we've ever been able to make national estimates for what's going on in hospitals in the United States with respect to antibiotic use, and also the first time that we've ever been able to look at this data over time. Uh, and so we were able to construct some trend analyses because we had data for this period from 2006 to 2012. And so those two factors, the ability to make national estimates and the ability to analyze trends, are two unique features of this study. So I wanted to get a little bit into the key findings of that study, uh, which were basically one of the key findings was that antibiotic use in U.S. hospitals did not change significantly from 2006 to 2012 overall. Uh, you, you, you did identify important trends within the antibiotic classes, which I'd like you to talk about, but and then, and then a little bit more about if you were surprised by the findings of the study. I, I think there were a number of things that all of us thought were very important uh, in, in the study, in the findings. I don't think we went in with uh, any expectations necessarily about what we would find. You know, this is the first time that we had ever looked at this type of data. And so I think we were most interested in simply seeing, well, well what what do we see? What do we learn when we do this for the first time and analyze national hospital data and look at the trends? You know, some of the important things that we did find was that you know, overall use didn't change over this time period, but the use of specific classes of antibiotics changed, and in some cases changed by quite a bit. We saw that the use of fluoroquinolone antibiotics went down by about 20%, and the use of a number of uh, fairly powerful, uh, what we, some of people might call kind of uh, last resort antibiotics, like uh, beta-lactam, beta-lactamase inhibitors, uh, later generation, third, fourth generation cephalosporins, vancomycin, so very important uh, antibiotics used generally to treat our more resistant infections uh, went up. And what we thought was, I think, one of the most uh, important findings was that the largest increase in use was among carbapenems. And those really are what I think most people would consider a kind of last resort class of antibiotics. They're the antibiotics that you turn to uh, for infections that really can't be treated by anything else. And the use of carbapenems over this time period, 2006 to 2012, went up by 37%. It was the largest increase uh, of all the classes that we saw. And we think that is certainly a very important finding. What we don't know, of course, is what is underlying these, these changes, this drop in quinolone use and this increase in these other antibiotic classes, particularly carbapenems. We suspect that some of those changes represent uh, changes in susceptibilities. So, you know, uh, many bacteria are now less susceptible to fluoroquinolone antibiotics, and hence that might be driving some of the drop in use. Uh, People might be encountering more drug-resistant infections, things like extended-spectrum beta-lactamase-producing organisms for which carbapenems are a mainstay of therapy, and that might be driving some of the increase in use. And so the study, uh, like all uh, 
analyses of antibiotic use points us to changes that we see. And now the, the next question is, was what's driving those changes? And then the more important question is, are there improvements that we can make that would help improve this antibiotic use? It leads me to think that perhaps, are you, are you thinking that the next phase of study perhaps is to try to pair the antibiotic use data that you have with perhaps susceptibility data, antibiograms, they were available? Absolutely. I think there, there are kind of two key steps. You know, one is that pairing that you talked about. It would be important to know, uh, is this, are these changes uh, reflecting resistance patterns? Are we seeing more resistance uh, in some of these hospitals? And that's why we're seeing this shifting pattern of use. But I think uh, uh, just as importantly, the key is to begin to link use data with appropriateness uh, information information about the actual clinical scenario that led to the use of a particular antibiotic to see if the antibiotic was indeed the, the best choice for that patient in that situation. Uh, and so this is work that we are uh, engaged in. We're collaborating with various folks to uh, look to see how we might be able to uh, harness the growing power of electronic health records, for example, to try and link up use data, both with susceptibility data and other clinical information, that would give us a more complete picture of why a particular antibiotic was used. And that might help us understand uh, if, in fact, it was the right antibiotic to be used. And one of the other outcomes that was mentioned in the study is your ability then to compare the antibiotic use information that you obtained for the U.S. hospitals and compare that to other geographical locations such as the United Kingdom and, and France and be able to look at some of those differences. Can you comment on some of those differences that, that you've observed? Sure. You know, we did see uh, major differences between uh, our information and information that's been previously published from the United Kingdom, from France. What we find is that in U.S. hospitals, uh, we do use a lot more of the broader spectrum antibiotics uh, and a lot less of the narrower spectrum, for example, earlier generation cephalosporins and penicillins than they use in Europe. And again, I think uh, now that we know that information, it will allow us to, to try and explore those differences. Uh, are resistance rates really different between hospitals here in the U.S. and in the U.K. and France? Uh, or are there prescribing cultures uh, that are leading to those important differences? And are there opportunities to improve the use uh, here in the United States to move us back towards some of these narrower spectrum agents um, and so that we do preserve these later uh, generation, more powerful antibiotics for our more resistant infections. Yeah, you mentioned in the article that, uh, a, a reference an article that approximately 50% of the inpatient antibiotic use in hospitals is for treatment of lower respiratory tract and urinary tract infections and that inpatient prescribing for the inf these infections can often be inappropriate. So it, just getting at appropriate use once you understand your surveillance data. So perhaps targeting also some of these infections, lower respiratory tract or urinary tract infections, uh, could be a, a place of where are there other antimicrobials that could be appropriate that are within the guidelines. Yeah, that's exactly right, Marty. And I think uh, there are issues both with, I think, initiation of, of treatment. You know, 
does a patient actually have uh, pneumonia? Do they actually have a urinary tract infection? I think if you look at, at some of the studies that have been done, what we find is that in a fair number of instances, patients who are initially diagnosed with those uh, infections or thought to have those infections, uh, in fact, don't. And so there is that issue of, of what we call the importance of taking an antibiotic timeout. We recognize that patients are sometimes admitted to hospitals. It's unclear what's going on. They might have an infection. They might not. And so uh, people start antibiotics. But we think there's a critical need to reassess that therapy um, after a day or two, once you have more clinical information, once you have culture results, to really make a decision, you know, did that patient actually have the infection that, that we thought they had when they came in, uh, and if not, could those antibiotics actually be stopped because the person has um, a congestive heart failure exacerbation or um, has colonization but uh, of the urinary tract with bacteria but doesn't actually have an infection? So I think there is that piece of the decision to initiate an antibiotic, and we've found that there are opportunities to improve that for both pneumonia and for urinary tract infections. Uh, and, of course, the issue you're raising, which is a, an equally important one, is selection. If the patient does have the infection, are they on the right antibiotic uh, at the right dose, and is it being given for the right duration? And I think that last piece is also critical because what we're increasingly finding and guidelines point to shorter treatment courses for many of these infections. Um, for example, pneumonia, uh, the guidelines point to five to seven days being the recommended duration of therapy for many, many patients, uh, yet we often see that the durations of therapy are, are quite a bit longer than that. So getting a little bit back to where we started is now that the study's been published, how do you th how would you feel the the clinician the anti the clinician that's involved in antimicrobial stewardship could then utilize some of this data that you've now published and and is available related to the antimicrobial use nationally yeah and and I think that's a really key point that you're touching on you know the national data i think uh, is informative at a high level um but it it's not as useful. Uh, for individual hospital stewardship programs. You know, it's, it may provide some degree of, of general benchmarking information, but you know, this is not uh, data that's really risk-adjusted that would really allow a facility to say, oh, we, we differ from that 700 uh, and roughly 750 days of therapy per thousand patient days. Um, but there may be very important reasons why your facility is different. And so to really get at what we like to call data for action, data that a stewardship program could use to meaningfully compare, benchmark, and consider uh, exploring its prescribing practices, uh, where we have uh, for that the antibiotic use option of the National Healthcare Safety Network. Uh, and we think, as I mentioned, this is uh, one of those uh, three categories of use measurement that's extremely important. And we think it's the one that is that is much more actionable for facilities. We do now have a risk-adjusted benchmark measure of antibiotic use uh, in the antibiotic use option. It's called the Standardized Antimicrobial Administration Ratio. And what that measure does is it constructs a ratio of your observed antibiotic use 
to what we would predict your antibiotic use would be based on facilities that look like your facility. And that's the type of actionable information that the stewardship community has told us at CDC that they really want to see. They want to be able to know uh, for this class of agents on this particular location in my hospital, uh, am I about average, am I above average, am I below average? And in locations where I'm uh, above average, maybe those are the locations that I really want to target to explore why that use differs from what one might expect. Uh, and so that is really the, the system that I think has the power to provide that uh, really important data that stewardship programs will be able to use to drive local improvements. And so, I, you know, I think it's, it goes takes us back to the beginning of our discussion where surveillance is really important and there's multiple different types of surveillance that are important. This paper is very helpful for providing that first ever national picture and some national trends that going forward might help us see what's going on at the national level, but just as important is that local data for local action that people can get at using the antibiotic use option of the National Healthcare Safety Network. Yeah, I think it's really important to tie the two together as people continue to develop their antimicrobial stewardship programs, and now they need to assess them. And what type of data do they need to obtain, and, and how do they go about assessing, uh, assessing them? Is this part of, so the antibiotic use option of the National Healthcare Safety Network that you mentioned, is this a, a program that they enroll in then? That's exactly right. So it's available as part of the National Healthcare Safety Network. We know that almost every acute care hospital in the country is already enrolled in the National Healthcare Safety Network. And so this is an additional feature that is available in NHSN. Uh, and of course, there's uh, all sorts of information about the antibiotic use option, how you can enroll in that option. It's all available on the website for the National Healthcare Safety Network. And one final question or comment is you brought up a good point throughout the this podcast is about appropriate use of antibiotics versus overall reduction in antibiotics. The two can be tied together, but Ultimately, your first goal is the appropriate use. I think sometimes there's, you know, there's the conversation between not only appropriate use but also trying to actually reduce the overall use of antibiotics at the same time, the companion goal. Yes, that, that's exactly right. I think, I think it's important to uh, keep our eyes on the prize, so to speak. The, the goal really is to improve appropriate therapy. Now, in most instances, that is going to lead to reductions in use, but the ultimate goal really is, just as you said, it's, it's the ultimate goal is what's right for the patient. How do we ensure that every hospitalized patient in the United States gets exactly the antibiotic that they need, uh, only when they need it, but exactly when they need it, so they get it quickly when they do need them, uh, and they get the right antibiotic at the right dose for the right duration. Absolutely. And I think with publishing your article in the recently 2016 about the national trends of the antibiotic use in hospitals is absolutely critical. And then what next steps are necessary, what kind of data you need to be collected, and how you work with the clinicians to obtain that data is important and you've highlighted today. So thank you for that. Thank you. I appreciate your having me. 
But I just want to thank you very much for your time to discuss your efforts in leading these new approaches to optimizing antibiotic prescribing practices for the future. You've left us with a lot of, of, of not only describing the interesting findings of your study, but a lot of ways in which people feel that they have a call to action and can participate in the process. I think that's really important. Well, thank you, Marnie. And we really at, at CDC appreciate all of your efforts uh, at CIDRAP to really raise awareness about the importance of improving antibiotic use uh, and your um, your efforts to make resources and tools available to clinicians to really help them do that. Thank you.